What's up, Welcome. ladies and gentlemen? What's up? How's it going? I'm, it's great. We're here at the comics table. We're here at the comics table. I'm Sweet T. And I'm Sweet P. Happy Halloween. Happy fall. Or, or the weather is crisp. Depending on if we if we go with our regular release schedule for these things. Ha- Merry Christmas. Happy Merry, New Year. Happy New Year. Right. I, we hope the midterm elections went well. Right. We hope that 2020 elections went super good. How is climate change affecting you? Are the sea levels rising? Right. Ha- is it 2040 what right now? What is it like in the, for future people that are listening to this podcast? Yeah. How's your skin cancer treating you? Is the ozone layer gone? Remember that? The ozone layer was what we were scared of when we were kids? We fixed it up. Is it better? Yeah, it is actually. Oh, good. Yeah. So why can't we go back to do whatever we did to, to for that to work? Well, because we're really good at filling holes. Mm. Just yeah. as a as a society, as a world. Yeah. Just filling filling holes. So where do we find the holes with climate change? Mm. I see. Here's my theory. Why don't we make snowmen on the snow caps on the uh, on the North and South Pole? Why don't we just push all the snow up there, make the enormous snowmen, and use the water from the ocean to make those snowmen, and then the the sea level will actually decrease. That's an incredibly stupid idea, Patrick. Well, tell me why. <laughs> Are you a scientist? Well, I mean, it sounds fun. It sounds fun making a lot of snowmen. But the vo- it would take too much volume, do you think? Yeah, it would take too much physical man-made effort. You know. Yeah, we would just expend. Although we could, what we fuel. could do is we could send all of our uh, the young people or the old people mm-hmm. down there, and a lot of them would die, which would solve the population issue. But at the same time, they would make a lot of snowmen. You know. Yeah. Well, they could bury them. Snow people. Let's yeah. not be sexist on this podcast, okay? Yeah. Jesus Christ! Snow, We're already starting with it. Snowmen and women. S- yes, yeah, snow people. I never did put a pair of boobs on a snowman. Now that I think of it, like uh, how come you wouldn't do that as a kid? Hey, you wouldn't... know that that doesn't determine how what that snowman feels like. That snowman what the gender might is still yeah. feel like a proud snow woman and just have no. Maybe they. Maybe it even has a snow bulge. You know, but it's still they identify. Yeah, it's possible. However, they identify. You just never know with the, with the snow people. But how come I never did anything real pervy with snow? I did so many pervy things you with never, other like, mediums. Stuck your dick in like a yeah. No, I I just think because it would be very cold. I'm sure there were times where you put a stick or a carrot down in that area, but I never I never did go. Oh yeah yeah like a fake uh, fake snow snow snowcock yeah carrot cock yeah you know. That's what I got. Yeah, never did that. Don't uh, peel it. Don't peel that baby. Makes you think of Thanksgiving, doesn't it? Carrot <laughs> cock cake. <laughs> Thanksgiving. I don't know what kind of Thanksgiving up. you were having, but carrot cock cake. A lot of a lot of casseroles. Oh my. Yeah, like uh, do you like the tuna in your casserole, or do you like? Uh, I'll, I'll go with a tuna casserole and a hamburger helper. You know what? I, tuna helper. I, I'll go, I like fine food, but I like the real horse shit as well. Yeah. You know? We shared an open faced tuna sandwich recently. We did, and it was delightful. It was the perfect meal, as far as I'm concerned. It was like two 90 year old men going to the diner right. together. Yeah. We well okay. Let's be let's be honest with our listeners. We shared a tuna melt and a fucking hamburger mm-hmm. and French fries and, and onion rings. I felt hungover the next morning. Yeah, me too. Really there poisoned no, my body. Neither of us consumed any booze at that time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was absolutely my heart. Uh, my heart still hurts a little bit every time it pumps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel hungover today too because I went to a Halloween party last night and I ate too much candy. I, I can't be eating candy like that. <laughs> 
that's <laughs> that well you know what we're both fucking sad because like i don't even go to the parties now and you go to the parties still but you're eating fucking candy like oh my god snickers yeah right in my fucking temple bro yeah no no booze but a yeah. butterfinger hangover is, is it's real though you know like i felt it in my kidneys because I, I don't eat i love sweets uh-huh. but i don't eat that vol- it was just like i was sitting next to a bowl of little mini candy bars you're, i just you know, kept shoveling them in diabetes. my face yeah, yeah, I am. Mega diabetes. Making uh, very good headway. Um, you know, we have a we have a guest coughing in the studio today, right? Yeah, we do. We have a very special guest. This guy is uh, one of my favorite comedians. He's so smart. He's been on uh, America's Got Talent. He's been on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Sounds like you got a boner. He's been on Adam Devine's house party on Comedy Central. Uh, who hasn't though? Uh, and he's a recurring cast member on MTV's Wild and Out. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the stage, Jacob Williams. What's Jake up, Williams. Jacob? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just walked in right when you introduced me. Yeah, I, that I worked so nicely. awkwardly this whole time. Uh, well, um, it was great your agent like was here <laughs> to, to keep the seat warm. I like that you said coming to the stage, too, because I know this audience is silent when I walked up here, but that's okay. It's out of respect. It's not because they didn't want to clap for me. Yeah, they were very too respectful. intimidated. Yeah. They were like... It was like when you see a dictator and you're afraid to move at all. That's how people react. We warned all a thousand people in the auditorium that if they made any noise, they'd be ejected immediately. (laughs) It's one of the few studio audience shows where, yeah, you make them not talk as if no talking, no no laughing, Uh, keep their blinking to a minimum. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually did listen to a 92Y show recently where it was like a live conversation podcast. And you couldn't hear the audience react, so like oh, there were mics. moments where they're clapping and things like yeah. that. So, the, but there That's were weird the, gaps. Yeah, some TV shows are like where yeah, like, but it you looks can like, like hear like the ghost clapping at the end, where it's like it's you can't hear anything in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, we're yeah. he, we're glad you're here, Jacob. You are an intimidating presence. They, they did the <laughs> audience like did shut up when you walked out here. Me. They're like, oh, look out. This yeah. is like the uh, this here. is like a gingery evolution we have in here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because we're, we're all ginger. we're all gingery, mm-hmm. and then it's basically like Jacob has like the minimal amount of beard. You have a little bit more. I think I have the most we're amount like of beard. The mm-hmm. before, middle, and after pictures for right. like when you become a ginger. Uh, yeah, you have to like train really hard. I think. Mm-hmm. But, I like that you said triple ginger, like we're a uh, yeah, it's like R and B group or uh, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking improv like, team. Mm-hmm. Sounds like mm-hmm. one of the secret mm-hmm. spices. Triple ginger. I'm loving it. <laughs> and oh, I also yeah. like 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 true That's a in remix true, of the McDonald's. Yeah, in true ginger yeah, fashion. Any, we cannot carry yeah, a tune. Any white R and B group. That's what makes uh, us stand would, out. We, we can go to our own beat. Yeah. yeah, any white R and B group would definitely be doing a McDonald's commercial for sure. Like yeah. that's the only that's the only way they'd actually exist. Right? Yeah, like no one would have heard of them, but they'd be selling it up on the commercial. Like yeah. guys, it's triple ginger. I'm more yeah. of a, a battle rap guy. I don't really do R and B. That so is true. Know. Yeah. You, that does sound like a joke, but those, yeah, that's, am I, yeah, anyway. I, I really don't, uh, <laughs> I don't like, I don't like R&B at all, I think. Yeah, probably. You probably like uh, 50s I and like 60s, like old, old school. I feel like that's a different category of music, though, mm. that like, like it became like a different thing in the mm. 80s, Yeah, you know? Is yeah. Rihanna considered like R&B, would you say, or more? Oh, I, I don't know. know. Now I feel like, and I, now I feel like I all the music today doesn't fit into any of the old categories because it's all kind of like mushed together in this like poppy, yeah, electric am- amalgamation. 
I don't know. Well, I like a lot of that stuff. Like I'm a I'm a oh, big fan of uh uh like Lady Gaga. I, I like some Gaga. Oh, that, the Gaga? Wait, is Lady Gaga considered R and B? Well no, he was saying like the electronic <laughs> oh, I see what you're like saying. pop. Oh we switched to All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh yeah, Gaga's great. I, I actually do think the three of us should just do a separate podcast where we just dissect black culture <laughs> and black music. <laughs> I, I got so uncomfortable even when I just said when I was trying to figure out what category just now rihanna was, rihanna in, I was like yeah. i hope this it could just be like triple gingers think r&b is a genre of music where and then we just fill in the you know we we just talk about what we think things i, I are. don't know i grew outside of philly in the uh in the boys to men days that's so, true you know that yeah. means nothing and that's yeah that's <laughs> like people refer to that as r&b right yeah i like, feel like i should I know so. this by now after yeah it's like i've been on a hip-hop improv show for eight seasons i still have i feel like i have no idea yeah Every time it comes up i like i don't know well nice yeah, thing about improv is you, about you, can, you can be in a universe where it's we're like you, you know just bruce, make it bruce whatever. springsteen is r&b yeah i think they yeah, hired you know. me more based on the improv part not so much my hip-hop credibility yeah <laughs> well I, uh, I don't know what kind of theater you are doing improv for but uh, <laughs> well if you could get nick cannon here to help um, out that'd be yeah cool. no problem i'll call him right i'm see if he's wrong you do you, you're at ucb right are you still there are you there right now um or i did, like, I did cla- a bunch of classes at ucb yeah i took uh three sketch writing classes plus a web series writing class and i took three improv classes but i did a bunch in chicago as well at, like um annoyance io and second city and hey, stuff. did you did you check out annoyance when it was in brooklyn briefly i don't think it lasted. i, I really oh, yeah, wanted to go and like I, unfortunately i made year it, and a half. i took like three classes there in chicago and it was it was one of my favorite improv classes because they kind of teach you to like make really bold choices and hmm. stuff and that's why i'm such a bold person now yeah of my yeah. training there everyone's like wow that guy's always making a big <laughs> you can choices. tell when you walk in the room there's a there's a there's a definite energy you can tell i have yeah. a, a lot of character range yeah. based on how i talk but uh yeah no that place is great because it did get me out of my comfort zone and uh yeah nice the annoyance yeah they were in williamsburg for like only a year and a half or something right yeah, yeah. i don't know i, I really wish i did mostly magnet but i didn't mm-hmm. like I think three levels of UCB. Yeah, I've done a bunch of jams there and the pit and stuff. But Do you still UCB go to jams now? Have you been to one lately? I haven't been in a while, but the times I've gone over the years have been like super fun. Like I love it because it's all different levels and there's amazing people and newer people and you learn how to handle like being in a scene with any type of person and yeah. just make the most Yeah, of I used it. to do that. That was before I did was in the open mic scene. You know, I just would do, open, I would do improv jams. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it can be really fun actually. Yeah, I still love it. It's still actually even it's the funny thing is I've noticed like even if you're like been doing stand up to the point where you can go up on most stages and just be totally relaxed being the sole person up there saying shit, I will still get super nervous doing like yeah. an improv jam. It's like a totally different muscle. Yeah. I think they help each other but it's so different like well, in jams, it easily. It, it, anything can happen. Like I the, I only went to a few when I was taking UCB yeah. classes cuz they would, you know, tell you to go check it out and I just remember like twice like super drunk random oh, yeah. dudes just like being totally. on stage and like trying to commandeer scenes and yeah like, oh yeah that's kind there of was super weird but one. that can be the fun part <laughs> that can be fun fucking around with that yeah, yeah. The, like one of the first jams i went to i was i was living in chicago I'd done improv there and then was came here for the first season of wild and out i think but i was doing like at night i would do jams because like i felt like i did get on stage extra just to like keep up with everyone was so funny on there and uh i was did this one jam this lady showed up uh everyone like kept trying to end the scene and she would just kept talking and then she was like ta- it wasn't part of the scene she was talking about like her daughter getting kidnapped or something and then she started like stripping naked it was like an older lady and then they like ended the, the, yeah so yeah. they ended the scene 
because they're like, I don't think that's like legal or whatever. And, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, like they did a blackout on the show or whatever. But then I went upstairs and there was like an open mic at the pit upstairs at the time. And so I was like, I was like, oh, I'll do stand up too in the same venue. And then I was talking about that, what just happened. And they're like, oh yeah, she came up here too and did the same thing at the stand up mic. But like the comedians were like unfazed by it. They were just like mad that she blew the light a little. <laughs> like <laughs> everyone at the improv world is freaking out. Like you're I don't not think, supposed well, to take your clothes I've been to improv shows, comedians good like, ones where they ah, get naked. Tacky. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like a lot of shows. I think it's okay. I think it's okay, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's like stand-up comedians are unfazed by anything in New York. They're just like, I just love that. Or they just, time. or like, many times they didn't see it happen because they were on their phones. Yeah, they uh, didn't even know she was naked. They were just like, why, yeah. is, why is she 30 seconds over? Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I think like... I don't know. I mean, it's cool to hear you rattle off how many improv classes you've taken and, and the different courses That's, you've I'm taken. I'm mostly here to name drop how many, uh, how, yeah. many how much improv training I have. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. want to get that out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but because I think there are a lot of standups that would benefit from, from doing it. I um, think so too, but I am, I do feel scared to bring up improv around standups cause I feel like there is, when you tell people you do improv, they like respect you less as a standup. Yeah. Cause like usually those worlds are pretty separate, but I think the muscles are really useful. They help each other and, that's an interesting idea you brought up. Like thing topics that you're nervous about bringing up around standups, improv, taking improv being one. I think uh, bringing up like gainful employment yeah. is sometimes like totally. weird to talk about with comedians because yeah, like I get it. sometimes there's this vibe of like if you're not out there doing six mics a day and walking dogs to scrape by in life, you're not doing stand up right. Uh, so sometimes I worry about, like, yeah, what do you do? What talking do you do, about Jacob? money or whatever. Like, you? Well, I do stand, I've been doing comedy full time for since like 2012. Uh, that's when I, I did America's got talent around then. And then I was able to technically start doing it, but I was still, it's still, you know, there's just plenty of ups and downs. And so you're doing it full time, like on like road gigs or around town. Or um, yeah. So since I've been doing it full time, it's been a lot of what got me started being able to sustain that was from like doing college gigs, which tend to pay more than a lot of shows, and like, you know, and then just also like living really frugally and like you know saving money from stuff like that to get through. Because there's plenty of times where I don't get booked as often, but I do. I haven't booked. I'm lucky enough so far to be booked throughout that time enough to survive, but it is like very feast or famine where. So I want to, I want to just like, if we can just drill through your life a little bit, because, uh, I think, you know, one of the things that people generally are listening, listening for, uh, are just to kind of like hear about like different comedians, progressions and that kind of stuff. So like when, like when did you actually, did you start doing improv or stand up first? And like, when did you start doing stand up? Um, well I did, I did like a little improv in high school, but basically I started doing stand up first. I started, it was like, uh, September 20th, 2007. So I've been doing it like 11 years. I was like, it was my first week of college, basically our first couple of weeks of college. I was 18 and I saw my friend doing it. I was like obsessed with stand up, but afraid to try it because I was really quiet and shy and you know, afraid to even talk to a person one-on-one, let alone a crowd. But So why was, did you want to do it in the first place, considering that? I guess I was just, like, obsessed with it. Like, my passion for it outweighed how scared I was. But I was, for the first few months or year, I was, like, always felt like I was going to, like, throw up every mm-hmm. time. And, uh, but basically, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to do it. And then one of my friends was doing it. And so to see someone starting out doing it, I'm like, oh, it is kind of obtainable to just, like, at least do it technically at an open mic so you don't have to like be amazing right away i realized so 
Uh, so once I saw him do it, I'm like, I should give it a shot. And then I told people, and then I couldn't really back out because I had like I had already told people so I, whether I, I, I was scared or not. I kind of felt like I had to go through with it, and you were I also got hooked on it. And you were also like your college booker, right? Weren't you booking? I was. College, that came later. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I was trying to get on. So right away, I was like, okay, I love stand up. I want to do it. But but I was in like this small town in Wisconsin at my college, which is like a great school, but not really a great comedy town. In that there was like. I could only get on stage every two weeks, and I was which, the only which, comedian. Which city in Wisconsin? Is it was Beloit, Wisconsin, Beloit College, and oh, um, wow. so it would be like me doing stand up, and then no one else was doing stand up. Like the other guy quit after a couple of weeks, so it, was, <laughs> so it was me, and then like poets and musicians, and then every once in a while I'd, I would drive to a bar show and like bomb in Madison and be like, "Oh, this is harder when it's not like my friends who are my age." <laughs> yeah. How 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 much growth do you think you got from just doing it? Like as this the town's comedian. Well, I I'm glad I did it because it got me started, and I was able to also eventually go to Chicago more and go there for part of college and after and get a lot of stage time there. I think it wasn't maybe the ideal place to start, but at the same time, maybe it was because the crowds were like very supportive, and they might have gotten me hooked in the time where like if I'd started in New York, I might have been like you know, too discouraged right away. But yeah. I mean, when you go into the, is the Midwest, the it's like people are like come out in droves to like open mics and stuff like that. Whereas here, nobody yeah. gives a shit about it. So, so it's, yeah. In a way it might've been a good thing that I was like, it gave me the delusion that I was better than I was at the time. Cause it was like all, you know, the only audiences available were usually people my age that were my friends that we were going to laugh no matter what. So then by the time I realized I wasn't good, I could, I was at least hooked enough to keep trying to get better. You know, Were you able to like, um, kind of, uh, uh, did it, did, did you do anything like have any specific touchstones in that, in, in doing all that before you came to New York or. Um, yeah, one of my first like things I was excited about in college, I, I was like, um, I don't know. Everything there's just like a million little things along the way that were like would keep me going because like obviously most of it was just you know tough to figure out how to write a joke or whatever. But then, um, but yeah, I got I started getting my first like kind of MC weeks and maybe like a feature gig by the or two here and there by the time I graduated. And then at one point I won like this contest to open up for Nick Cannon in Vegas where they th- flew me there when I was like I think it was my last year or two of college and that was really exciting. And that was like one of the things I could show my parents to be like, you know, this might actually, I might be able to, they were like definitely concerned about me mm-hmm. starting to consider this as a job. They're like, I don't know if that seems like the safest idea. That's an interesting thing to bring up like contests. Cause you hear a lot about people who win contests early on and how much that can like kind of create some momentum. Uh, and that's so cool. Uh, what was the specific was it just like a stand-up tournament or something, or was it a writing challenge? It was something like, where I think they wanted a stand-up video, and I think there were a couple of components where, like, part of it was like getting my friends to vote and stuff, but then part of it, I think, once I was in the top five, I think he chose out of there, so it was like a little bit of merit, and then also a little bit of just like almost like an online bringer or something. I don't know how to describe it for yeah. what it was at the time, but uh, but yeah, basically, I think he, I guess he chose my video out of the five he thought. I, luckily i had a good video from like this club in madison which is like my favorite club probably um the comedy club on state street and yeah, I, is that called comedy on state is that yeah i think it's called like comedy on state yeah because like, like so many comics club. record albums there yeah it's amazing so luckily that is crazy that that was like one of the first places i got like mc weekends and stuff during college and i got ended up getting a really good tape there at one point 
And that's actually basically what got me on like America's Got Talent and got me to And how to long have you contest. been doing it at that point? Um, so at that point, I guess um, that was during college. So I was maybe in the first four years. And then when I did America's Got Talent, it was about a year after college. So like maybe I was like five years technically into doing stand up. And then, um, yeah, and that was like 2012, I guess. But then the contest was, I don't know, like 2010, 2011, something like that. So that's, a, a, you know, America's Got Talent is like an interesting way to like, <laughs> to, to have like a public exposure for stand-up because it's yeah. not specifically comedy. Yeah, it was definitely scary because I was waiting to go up and it was like all these dance groups or different things and people were getting like booed and like exed and it was like, oh, this might be like a really bad first impression. <laughs> and luckily the first round went really well. I was happy with it, but... I was very uh, terrified leading up to it. I actually, I didn't even have a place to go on stage the night before, and I was so desperate to run the set past someone. So, I, like, I actually ended up walking around St. Louis where my audition was, and I was going up to strangers, which was already terrifying for me, obviously, and as, like, a shy person. But then uh, I'd be like, hey, can I run this set? Like, I'm doing America's Got Talent. <laughs> and there were just random people on the street, like, by the St. Louis Arch and stuff, and they'd be like, no, and like, this you is weirdo. Not, it's not like you have a camera crew with you or no, something? No, I'm just like, by myself. Literally I'm by like, yourself. I have to get the timing down, and, like, I have to run it past a human, so I, like, because that's how stand like, I can't just say it. And they're like, get away from me, weirdo. But then, that's, like... That's fine, because that's, like, uh, <laughs> the opposite of what you'd normally want to do, where you're, like, just take a single person and, like run your set yeah because people are like tell me some jokes yeah you know oh right normally right. you're trying to get out of that but then and and i ended up running past three people and they were it, no one was like no one really was really into that idea but i think two of them were like security guards who'd like just couldn't leave because <laughs> they were obligated so i just said it to like, like that yeah this yeah. dead-eyed security guard who's like annoyed that i'm talking to him and i'm like can i run this past you he but they'll like, let you. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And then he was just rolling his eyes. And then I, he was I like, like good luck, man. And I could tell like he thought I was going to bomb. And then, or he didn't think I was really on the show. So I did that. And then one other guy was like smoking a cigarette and couldn't finish it in time. Which is like, I, I I feel terrible that I like I forced my like shitty you, you jokes on these people. You could have just called like the suicide hotline or something. Like, That's they, true. They, they would have to had to listen. And I did run it past I think a good college friend uh, like, over the phone. What's as well. the timing on that one? Because I, I I'm really feeling down right now. Yeah. If, if do you think I should take out that <laughs> third tag? Right. If I don't get some honest feedback, I, I might have to jump. So yeah. Sir, where are you calling from? I'm on top of a bridge right now. I did feel like a desperation level where yeah, maybe I should have called them. But I'm, I'm I, waiting I behind a. Curtain, America's Got Talent right now. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Howard Stern is about to judge That's me. not a bad idea of running up. So wait, wait, wait. You got on America's to... Got Talent through a contest? Um, not through a contest, but I had a pretty good video, I guess. That was only like maybe a couple of minutes, uh, but that's what helped me win that contest. And then separately, I think that's the video that I submitted to America's Got Talent. without. I didn't have an agent or manager or anything, but I saw on their website anyone could submit. And they actually got back to me and flew me in to do the audition for the judges and ended up uh, getting a standing ovation, so it was a lot of fun. That's amazing. So how was the audition compared to the uh, actual doing the show? Um, well, I didn't do any preliminary audition. I basically just sent the video and then talked to them over the phone, and then they just flew me straight to the judges. I, sometimes there is a step before that, I think, where you can do it to the producers in person, but I think they just went off the video in some cases, and then... I do think that that weird street comedy thing I did the night before as as uncomfortable as it was for me and probably everyone I talked to about running the jokes past them was like helpful because like sometimes stand up like when you're in the toughest show environments, which is like 
that is pretty tough because it's not even a show. It's uh, <laughs> a guy trying to smoke it's a cigarette like, after. It's like I feel like you can get muscles of like that's almost you get stronger that way than by doing like a great if I'd done a great crowd the night before. So I feel like I don't know. I should probably just keep doing street trying to do street comedy. That yeah, was a one time like, thing. Like the David Blaine of stand up. But what what's interesting about that anecdote too is like it 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 seems very surprising coming from you because you you are you come off as a shy person i don't know if you yeah, identify I, I would, as if you're shy so. identifying or not but uh that takes balls to do that and to know that you needed to get those reps in and to just go for it but it but you know that was many years ago but like i saw you this summer we had a few shows uh, at schools that, oh, yeah, were, that were not well. There was a couple that just weren't well attended. Oh, and, yeah. We did some that were like at noon and like in a cafeteria. And yeah. Stuff and like watching you like like just use your stage time to work on your jokes. Like it did two things. It entertained the people who were there. Like that's what they came mm-hmm. for. But you also just committed to like doing your hour and like almost to the point where it was like you... Uh, you put on a great show, but you didn't care that like it wasn't like this rousing ex- like uh, applause because there was just you know a handful of people there. So the I'm still at the stage in my career where I feel entitled to have a great crowd every time, you know, and that's just not how it fucking is. <laughs> and uh, it's just you know cool to see you just like do the job every time. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, I love stage time. like especially at colleges to get to do an hour is like a lot of fun because in New York there are so many comedians that. The sets are usually a lot shorter, so anytime just getting to do a long set is exciting for me, and to get to try to work on that and make it stronger is always really fun. Police are going ape, ape shit outside right now. Yeah, Eighth yeah, Avenue sounds this was crazy. A hot podcast, yeah. they gotta come over. Yeah, yeah the, it's just New York City, guys. Yeah, someone called the police. They heard this podcast was on fire. Yeah, they're like, we gotta. they like, in on that. D- do the sirens come through? I feel like I wait. Why would they call the police? I, mean, I if can there was hear a fire? it. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hey, audience, sounds... call in right now if you can hear yeah, the audience. If you, if you can hear, hear the I would hear yes, a live call in on a podcast. It'd be like, how did you hear this one? It hasn't come out yet. Are you a time traveler? We've got yeah. amazing. Uh, how could Only you time do travelers could do that? I, I suppose we could, live. we could do like a four chan live feed or something, <laughs> and just see what kind of people call in. Yeah. Um, so I don't know anything. So I, I, I want to get. I'm sorry. I keep drilling back on your. Your history here, because I just find this kind of progress, this stuff interesting. So uh, uh, I, I've never watched America's Got Talent because I just don't like shows like that. Sure, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but um, but what happens? Like, after, like, do you win well, something? It, or what happens? You go on, and then what was funny was uh, they give you like a backstory. So like, if you were to only know me from the show and my first appearance, it would be like, it, like they show this pre-interview and. They kind of played up the fact that at the time I was doing part-time real estate, but if based on like editing and the quotes they used, you would think that you were watching a real estate guy who had never done comedy before. <laughs> so I think they do that to create like some Stakes. surprise because then the set did go well. But did they show you trying to sell houses <laughs> with like sad violin music or something? Like, like <laughs> I think it was mostly playing up like how awkward I was and how little experience I had, which was not entirely false. And so. Uh, but they really kind of play up stuff like that. Anything yeah. they can do to, I think they were trying to like Susan Boyle me, maybe I don't know. But uh, but then, um, but yeah. So they do that. They like kind of give you a backstory, and then um, I wait. What, sorry, what was the question? I might have gone. No. So there. like what? So so they 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 set you up that way. Then you go up and you do your set, 
uh, which was what? Like, was it even it's five like minutes? It's like a minute and a half. Minute and a half. Wow. Okay. So you got to really, th- those are the toughest because you yeah. have to just completely uh, like and hit, that hit could, it. Yeah, that can be tough because it's like, it definitely helps to have a bunch of one-liners, but then I was using stuff that I was like pulling out of longer bits and then it's like, I want to use this to get through, but then, you know, then you have to make sure you have the stuff for the next round. So it can be hard to like, you know, find that balance, but yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just, I think like shorter jokes work really well in there, but I've seen all kinds of styles work because... I don't know. It is definitely a good exposure. Which is another another shout out to doing contests is that it forces you to like construct different size sets for different things. Like Yeah, totally. I've had to come up with like a few different five minute sets for the last comic standing thing in Connecticut. Yeah. Not the not the NBC one, but the the casino one. Mm-hmm. Uh and then this summer I did this one up in totally. Westchester. It was really fun to like have to do like an eight minute set and then a fifteen minute set. Yeah. And then another fifteen minute set. And they wanted to see I think they want they asked for different material every time right. and it it was fun to like have to like construct a different thing. Yeah, it could be interesting. Yeah, I've done a few contests and festivals like that where yeah, sometimes they want different material each round or they don't say that you have to but then you find out later that they want to and then it's like oh i already did this stuff i gotta do different and i don't know but yeah it is yeah i'm always i do like that challenge of stand-up of like or you get to a school and they're like you can't talk about this this or this and i'm like oh okay so how many rounds did you do um i did four rounds uh the first one in st louis the second one was in vegas it was weird because they were at the time they didn't have an audience for that round so it's just for the judges so and, is it four rounds, a minute and a half every every round? Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes it went a little longer, but yeah, that was like it was supposed to be a minute and a half. And then, um, are they trying to go for like an ultimate winner of the season or something? Yeah, ultimately someone wins and wins a million dollars in a headlining show in Vegas. Which um, one of my friends actually won. He was my first college agent because he was representing himself and me and one other person. And he, the other person, was a very uh, talented mind reader I met on there. And um, he's actually who you, was my roommate also you, you for two and a half years. You do have a hilarious friend group. Because is it because of America's Got Talent? Like you occasionally he'll be like, "Yeah, my friend's a magician." Yeah, uh, my true. roommate was a mind reader. Think, yeah, so I met Eric Diddleman on there. He's like an amazing mind reader. He just did like Fool Us and has done Ellen and stuff. And uh, he was actually my roommate for the last like three years until a couple of weeks ago because I moved into a, my own place. But basically. Um, he could call in. He knows we're doing this right now. Uh, yeah. So how 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 could how how was he a mind reader? Could he did he always just know like what toppings you wanted on your pizza? <laughs> well, I, I don't know how he does what he does, but it's it's like it's very mind blowing and like um, I don't really have any jokes about him being a mind reader, but if I think of one, then he'll let me know. <laughs> but uh, that is my only joke. That's a good one. But um, but yeah, he's great. But then so I met him on America's Got Talent, and then he kind of introduced me to the college market and this other guy Matt Franco who was kind of an agent uh for me and eric and we were all kind of like self-repping each other but also repping each other i don't know and so basically that was really fun and then uh matt franco ended up going on a couple years later he ended up winning the whole thing i got to see him perform a few times during that at radio city music hall and he's amazing now he's like headlining every night in vegas he has like a theater named after him that's crazy it was like i lost a college agent but for a good reason because he became like 
super successful, one of the most successful magicians, you know. I don't know if this happens to you, but I both celebrate my friend's successes and also feel super bad about it because I'm like, (laughs) look at all, look at what they're doing and look what I'm doing. I don't, you know. I was, uh, yeah, while he was winning, the night he was winning America's Got Talent, I was getting a speeding ticket driving from New York to Milwaukee <laughs> for like a not a very high paying like gig or whatever. Yeah. You're like, any money I would have made on that, I just uh, I just <laughs> lost. I think I actually that. did get out of the ticket now that I think of it because I was oh, like, good. I, I, I used the, oh, my friend's winning America's Got Talent. I was really excited. <laughs> I drove too fast one. So, so you should use that if you ever. So you went to America's Got Talent. You, 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 you went through multiple levels. Obviously, you didn't get the big prize, right? Do you get something? Um, <laughs> um, I got a lot of exposure. I got a per diem um, in a hotel. Um, no, I, I mean, it did lead me. It did, was, did you make more real estate sales after yeah. that? Did anybody <laughs> recognize really I did actually quit the real estate place because um, I was there only like three months as uh-huh. like <laughs> sub, supplemental income. But then I was able, it did, I did become a full time comedian after America's Got Down so, or during it. So that was. I guess that I would consider that a win, but it's not, it wasn't like a dramatic, it wasn't like, oh, I'm making a ton of money, but it was like, I technically started making just enough to cover my very cheap Did that in happen Chicago. because you got full time, because you had ex- an expo, sorry, because you had exposure. I think so. And yeah. then did you already have like an ex- existing? Well, yeah, I'd already been like on the verge of doing it full time. And like I said, it, because my costs were so low, like I had a really cheap rent in Chicago and did only ate like $1 pizza slices for every meal or whatever. Mm. But then, um, but yeah, basically, uh, yeah, I was already like doing the road a lot and like doing like featuring or headlining and had started even doing some colleges and doing an hour and stuff, but just like very beginning stages. And then I think that tipped it over enough to where I was like, Oh, I can like technically not have another job, but it wasn't like I was like rich all of a sudden. I was just like slightly a step in the right direction, Mm -hmm. I guess. And then, uh, and then you were, when did you do the comedy central stuff? Uh, that came a little later. Um, I did start doing Wild Now a little bit after America's Got Talent. That was fun. And then Comedy Central was maybe a year or two after that. And that was like, I think after I moved to New York, I got my first manager who I think introduced me to Comedy Central at like a showcase or audition. And that's how I got an audition for, I think I was one of their comics to watch in the festival at one point, the New York Comedy Festival, and then got to do Adam Devine's house party. How did you keep that kind of momentum to go on all this different stuff? Because I've seen... I, we've talked to comics who have gotten some break, so to speak, or they've gotten some TV credit or something yeah. like that. And it did give them some level of exposure, but then they weren't really able to capitalize on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I still don't feel like I'm ready to capitalize on it. <laughs> Every time something happens, I'm like, I assume that's the last good thing. <laughs> because, like, I guess maybe on paper I have a few things, but, like, on a day-to-day basis, there's, like, you know, I've been rejected, but from tons and tons of stuff. So it's oh, like, that's part of the deal, right? Yeah. So it's like, I'm more aware of that than maybe other people, but it's like, I, I just, that's why I, I'm always like just surprised and happy when something good happens, but I don't expect it ever. I, uh, I want to throw it out there that you are capable of doing like an hour of totally TV clean material. Is that accurate to say? Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I have been doing an hour clean for a while or like, I don't always do clean now, but I do have that ability still just cause my first shows I would do like start headlining in my hometown around that time. And my grandparents would come and they were like, you know, kind of sensitive about topics. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like, like I, I feel like, I feel like 
TV, like when they see you have such strong sets and such strong material, that's like, they don't have to even think about, uh, I don't, I don't think they're like, Oh, well let's just hire him because we can just, you, I'm not saying that, but like it, it's such an advantage to have that much strong material. Um, that's yeah, cool. you would think so, but, uh, I've gotten <laughs> plenty of no's recently yeah. from TV. So yeah, who knows? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm such an idiot. Like I, I, my human sense of humor is so dark and, and I, I love, uh, just things that are not particularly polite. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I've had opportunities to like, Hey, if you send me a tape of like 10 minutes clean, oh, 10 yeah. minutes, it can be tough um, to I can give you a bunch of spots in Connecticut and upstate New York and yeah. all this stuff. And I wasn't even <laughs> able to put together a goddamn tape of 10 minutes clean. Yeah. It's, it's, um, hard, it's just hard to get a good tape, especially in New York. I think I don't fucking get it. I don't understand why I can't get a fucking <laughs> really clean hard. goddamn cut goddamn tape together. You also, you also choose to, um, really explore social issues that uh oh i know are, anything, are very challenging like, like anything uh, that people are going to be like hey, fuck no i don't know <laughs> yeah. i just love I, yeah i, I mean that it. can be a great long term yeah. i think like some of the yeah maybe most of the some of the greatest comics of all time are like they're not someone who would even have a clean tape like i know i've heard stories about some of the yeah like bill bird you know he's got that thing where what's yeah. was it Chappelle that told him he's like you know what you're doing is gonna pay, gonna pay off, off long term yeah but you know so can you can you can you keep doing it? Can you commit to what you want to do, and then just be cool with being patient for when it when you find your yeah. fan base? Yeah, I was, heard some story about this guy that yeah, he just said he couldn't do the college market because he couldn't swear, and he ended up being when it, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like there's definitely a way to go either way. Yeah. So, um, you know, we don't have to like s- s- settle on the bio much longer, but like all in all, you you did you did uh, America's Got Talent, you did. Uh, uh, Comedy Central, you did. You just did the late show with Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Um. You you did the Wild and Out thing, which is more like improv sketch, right? Yeah. It's like and, um. Yeah. Improv and improv games and with a like a improvised comedy it, rap battle at the end of each episode. Of all these things, like, does one thing stand out more than the other? Is the would you say that the experiences are all vastly different? Uh, um. They're all very different. Um, everything is like totally different, but I mean, I'm very happy. I feel very lucky and happy about all of those things. And, and, uh, I've learned a lot from all of them and I feel like I've had things on all of them that I'm proud of and things that didn't go as well that I, you know, um, I'm interested in what the doesn't go well, because I feel like all, all the time, especially if you're a comedian trying to make it work and you're maybe early on and you know, all the examples you have are from comedians that have been doing it for like 20 years. Yeah, and like, totally. this is my success story. And it's like, what about like all the, the, the things that didn't work out? Yeah. yeah. That'd be a fun yeah. show. Like people just oh, outline their, their greatest failures. <laughs> right. You oh, know? Man. I mean, I have so many of those. It's like, I don't think we have enough time, but, uh, but basically I don't know, like wild and out. Um, I was so nervous about it and, uh, ended up and, and also like desperate for anything like that. Cause I didn't have, like I said, no agent or anything. And then after America's Got Talent, I wasn't really that happy with how my last one went. I was actually kind of bummed out. And I'm like, I feel like I re- didn't do as well as I wanted on the last one. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm never going to succeed ever in comedy. Well, because that's the one that got you out, right? So, of course, you're going to be in the most <laughs> Yeah, so I was like really bummed out after that once I got voted off and stuff in the semifinals. And then, um, or after those. And then, um, so I was like kind of just like really in a dark place. And then, um, uh, I luckily got back into getting on stage and stuff after a couple of weeks and tried to just like stay motivated. And then 
when I got the call, I guess New Canada just seen me there and maybe at the, at the, between the contest and America's Got Talent. And for whatever reason, he like, you know, saw something that he was like, this might work for the show. And he, I found out later he would like, he told the wild not producers. He's like, I want this. I think this guy's funny. I want him on the show. And I've, and all of them were like, that makes no sense. Like, <laughs> this is like this weird, nerdy, awkward white guy. Like it's as nothing in no way. Does it fit any part of the tone of the show? Well, that's... But he like really went to bat for me. And luckily the auditions went well. Cause I like, I had nothing else going on. So I like, I think I worked really hard at it and ended up doing well on the show, but it was, it was very, how do you, how do you prepare lead, for something like to the that? Auditions. I guess um, my one advantage was maybe having done a ton of improv in Chicago, which I considered a hobby compared to like stand up. I was starting to make money at improv was more like, oh, this is fun and maybe it'll help some stand up or whatever. But it's like I didn't expect that skill to come so directly into play with Wild Now, which is where like I did have some more improv training than some of the people in a lot of the people on there that were just like so naturally charismatic or had huge social media following. So it's like they could definitely, you know, kill it just with that. And I felt like I had to work a lot harder, but I did. I was able to bring at least whatever I could to it from, you know, just trying really hard in a place where I wasn't necessarily a natural fit, but it ended up being a lot of fun. And, um, but yeah. And then in terms of mistakes and stuff, I think I was really happy with my first season. I feel like I did really well. My second season, I think I, because the first one went so well and like was a there's a gap in between. I think I got a little overconfident and kind of forgot like how much work had gone mm. into it. So that I almost took it for granted. And then I, I ended up that was a recipe for really uh ended up being like really struggling and not I feel like I didn't work as hard as I should have the second season and was like you know, really disappointed in myself and I'm sure other people were disappointed in me because it's very, you could tell probably anyone that watched that season. And so, uh, between that I just, and the next one, I think I just really worked as hard as I could have, like doing, you know, yeah. And you, so was this writing work better. or, or for that show, I guess it was more like getting better at improv and just like really focusing on like, you know, coming up with the funniest stuff I could and like how to like, be as big as I could on stage or whatever, which is not very big by the way, but in terms of performance, but like well, just really being focused. Cause you were sharing with me that like they'll tape a show for like two hours. They'll do like all yeah. these games and it'll be a whole thing. And then it gets cut down to what, like 22 yeah, it's minutes, like 22 or, minutes with, after commercials. Yeah. So it's like, they're going to use the biggest laughs. And then yeah. if, you didn't, if you didn't get a big laugh, it's like, you might not be on that show. Yeah. Right? It can be tough. Cause, uh, there's so many people vying for screen time and so many funny people. And, uh, it's great because it's like collaborative, but at the same time competitive and it kind of brings out the best in everyone, I think in a way, and you just have to really give it your all. And then in the edit, they kind of figure out, you know, what works and what doesn't. Um, so you kind of just have to bring it every time. And I think briefly, maybe during the second season, I had a moment where I like didn't, wasn't doing that as much as I should have. But ever since then, I think I've worked really hard at it and I've been really happy with the results from that. And it's been like such a fun experience. So it's like, I mean, it feels like being at a party the whole time in the best way. And like everyone's, you know, they make it. So there's like, it's a really fun environment, like backstage, on stage. 
that's cool and the cast is like everyone there is like family to me so i'm very grateful for that whole and thing. like nick cannon you gotta like start sending him like father's day cards or something like yeah it sounds I like did a long kind of savvy birthday post for him because he has like kind of changed my life in like yeah. all these early stages of my career and and those 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 um situations are interesting to me because it keeps coming up in different interviews i'm listening to about like where comics say like just always bring bring the heat wherever you're performing because you never yeah. know who's watching. Like uh, like I think I forget who it was was talking about getting their late night shot. Yeah, their their late night spot, and it was because of some random show that a booker happened to be at. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, and you know, speaking yeah. of, I'm I'm curious what your experience on late night was because, uh, you know, well, one thing I didn't realize about it until more recent times was yeah. that. They like have this whole separate show where they record all the stand ups. Oh, yeah. And then Sometimes they, they do that, yeah. That's and then they, they cut them out and then put them into the like one of the shows. Yeah, totally. Which seems like kind of oddly impersonal and kind of like kind of industrialized a little bit in terms of like, mm-hmm. it, as opposed to like where you would have like, if you look at like when that was David Letterman's show, yeah. And then the comedian would do the thing and you'd kind of get the, like maybe you'd get to talk to Dave, like who mm-hmm. knows, you know, that kind of thing. So what was your experience with late night? Uh, my experience, I did do the version where you tape like a few comedians in a row and that was kind of cool because it was like, oh, this feels like a real show and it kind of takes the pressure off and just to get to be do in you that think space that's better? was great. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's better or whatever. I mean, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I can't compare it cause I haven't done the other one. Well, I mean, um, like if you were, I mean, obviously I hear you like you can't know what it was like in the, in the other. Right, in right. The, but I, I have mean, heard, I will yeah. say um, the other way it looks great too. It's like, obviously, yeah, it's great to like maybe handshake the host or whatever. But I've also heard it go the other way where people in those situations might have to follow like a celebrity interview where like they're talking about something really serious and then right, they're like, right. oh, here's oh, a comedian. Yeah. And then like, it's a tough yeah. thing. Whereas I got to go up after, you know, maybe one or two comics that like the crowd was like fun and you know kind of took the pressure off in a way but it was is steven cool. there at all or no uh he wasn't there when i was there but i did and yeah i did like the space a lot because i always i did grow up watching those like letterman sets which you know it was just like to be in that space was really fun yeah those like, were some of my favorite you, late night sets on letterman you like walk past the ed Sullivan theater and like you can look at it and be like I yeah fucking perform yeah i get it. to see the backstage and all those stuff and everyone was so nice along the way and everything it was great it who, who emceed the show uh, Emma Willman. Nice. Oh, okay. it was very funny. Yeah. And, um, and who else and, was that night that recorded and have um, they all aired? Yeah, I think so. Cause I was in like one of the first groups to do that. And I think they've done it since then. And some of those are airing now, but, um, but yeah, Jessica pilot set it up. She's great. And then the people that were performing, I believe were, uh, Gary Veter mm. and Amberia Allen yep. and Owen Smith, I believe. Um, so cool. And then, yeah, there were other people hanging out, like, I think, Matt Ruby, Joe List, uh, so it was cool to see them, and uh, I don't know, yeah, and then I had a couple of friends, uh, Renan Hirschberg, Eric Dibbleman, Chris James came to see me, and uh, it was fun, yeah, it was a good experience, and uh, Jessica was great, and I don't know, yeah, it was great, it was very exciting. Nice. 
Yeah, that's amazing, man. And you're out there every night. Where where can uh, where can our audience see you most? Oh, where can they see me most? Well, I, when does this come out? I don't know. I don't want to plug something. Well, I mean, it could, be, right, so, it could be this week or right. like no, no, no. Three so a little, uh, you know, something for whoever's still listening at this point in the episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I so we had like a regular thing going, and then we we had committed to like we're going to do that okay. um, going forward. But it, it ended up being kind of like where this summer, I think Patrick. Had a lot of stuff going on i had a lot of stuff going on we just didn't do it but um i I have like a good system down now so i think we'll we'll probably have this out within the next week or so okay so i'll say um depending on when this comes out i think i'll be in the new york comedy festival november 9th in a roast of 2018 in which uh, a bunch of me and other nyc comedians will be playing celebrities that died this year so i'm going to be playing stephen hawking wow and we're going to be roasting each other like are you going to get a wheelchair are you going to duck like this by the way if anyone (laughs) knows of any leads on a wheelchair i don't have one yet so yes i hope i can find one but (laughs) but yeah so we're going to be it'll be like the format of like a comedy central roast that you see but we'll all be roasting each other as those characters seriously how are you talking if you're stephen hawking well, luckily my voice already sounds like his robot machine, so <laughs> I think it'll be tough to decide who does a better portrayal between me and Eddie Raymond, who I think was Oscar nominated, but I probably didn't say his name right. Oh, but, Redmayne, Redmayne, yeah. Redmayne. Uh, Where, where's that gig? I think me and him are going to be like tied, maybe. But that's I might hilarious. Do a better job at playing Stephen Hawking. I think it's at the Creek in the Cave, uh, cool. 10 p.m. November 9th. I'll double check. And then actually, I'm doing a headlining week at the Creek uh, early December, for maybe the first week or two of December. So, oh, that's great. Uh, that should be fun. If you want to see me do a longer set in the city, which is rare, I'll be doing like maybe 45 to an hour. You know, I got to say, the Creek is a special venue because they do, yeah, they have these headlining weeks. So, all five nights, you'll do a 45 minute set. I right? think so, at, yeah. Like, yeah which o'clock. is great because it's so rare to do that in the city. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and I have a show at Butter Boy, uh, I think November. November 26th or something. That's a cool Excited gig. about that at Littlefield. Love Littlefield, which does Punderdome and some of my other favorite shows. Oh, yeah. I actually wanted Joe to Berman's bring... Joe album release was there. It was great. I wanted or... to bring up Punderdome. Uh, so we spent a lot of time yeah. in the car okay. together this I year. <laughs> and you brought this game. I, I feel really bad about this because... No, I, <laughs> I want to bring it up as a celebration okay. of like you as a person who like takes these games and writing seriously so he brought this card game called Punderdome where you get these clues and you have to come yeah. up it's a little way to come up with puns so they do a great live show anyone yeah. can compete and do these puns yeah, it's like been, super fun that. so much fun a little field and then they have this board I got so into that show that I, like watching it and then performing in it once that I did like I bought the board game and then I was on this road trip with Patrick and I was like do you want to try this and then I felt bad because like I feel like I was way more into it, and I was like... Well, you're very good at it, and, it, and that's challenging when you're the other person. <laughs> and you, and you were driving, scenario. so it's like harder to come yeah. up with these weird puns and whatever. Like, you could feel your brain start to hurt in a specific way right. when you're, like, trying to, like, take these ideas and, and yeah. make them into And you into were really nice thing. about it, but I, I felt bad, because I, I feel like I brought it up too many times where you're like, or we could listen no. to a podcast. Because <laughs> I feel like at, one, at some point you were like, oh, why... Why but guy but I, I like pushing it. these puns on me. I like hearing you. I like that that's the thing you're into. I like hearing you talk about sketch and improv classes. Like you seem like a true student of comedy that takes it seriously. Like you're kind of like comedy yeah. karate kid or something. Yeah, you can tell I take it seriously because I do puns and that's the <laughs> yeah. highest form of comedy. Right. right. Honestly, though, there is a level of like I, I've been able to do improv very well and I've been able to do stand up very well. I've also been able to do them both very badly. But um, <laughs> I've I, done both but good I, I always well. I struggle with like the 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 puns on the spot like that oh that's yeah. a certain level of like uh 
uh, quickness and able to connect two two items together like really rapidly. Yeah. What's cool about the live show, which I think Joe Firestone started and her dad hosts a lot and it's cool because her dad hosts it. Yeah. (laughs) She wasn't even there the last couple of times I went, but she's amazing. And her dad is a great host. And I've seen when they were both, both up there. uh, I would love to see them both because I went more recently. What's her dad's story? I didn't know anything Uh, about this. He's a Rodney Dangerfield impersonator. And the format of the show is so great. It's a great show if you haven't been and and it, uh, yeah, yeah, and like you said, I think it brings into play all those muscles because you're performing these puns that you had a very short time to come or up with. Or if you just want to see people perform puns, yeah, and, get and the crowd just is like drunk. into it, <laughs> and like so, you're it's partly delivery and partly like how many puns can you come up with in two minutes on this topic they just gave you. So it's like a lot of I like the pressure of it. I like everything about it. It's Sarah great. Kennedy is really good at that, right? Do you know Sarah? I think so. Although I don't know if I've seen her do that, but she's super funny. So Punterdome is the only kind of show like that where I've seen where it actually incorporate like like the performers are the audience you know yes, like, like anyone can do it That's anyone just crazy. can just do it but like the crowd's I, like so great right and then there's like a big crowd i mean it's packed in that place yeah um, it's like standing th- room that's the only, the only the thing i've ever packed. seen to make that work like that are you doing another one? format so good yeah um yeah i'll probably whenever i'm in town i'm gonna try to check it out so i don't know when i'll do it next but if i don't have outside gigs i'm gonna always try to either go and watch or but yeah you try it out again you put yourself out there for that you've done a ton of the roasts for roast bat is it roast battle that you've done or roast masters oh yeah mostly? i did uh, both of the i did um an episode of road to roast battle for comedy central which uh if you watch that episode i think it, it was it was like an edited episode, so you can see maybe one line, yeah. one joke I did on there. But but basically, um, uh, yeah, I've done a few that are on YouTube from the stand, and then some other ones at New York Comedy Club and other places as I well. Just, I just think it's so cool that you do so much. Like, I mean, you mentioned the the walking around St. Louis performing for strangers like you do so oh, many yeah. things if you want to, see to, me live, to put yourself hang on in st louis on the street yeah. randomly and see if i come up to you did you go to that open mic check. in st louis that's on the second floor of like a soda shop and you can't hear i don't hear. think so oh yeah like i, I know i, I know, that would have been better than what i yeah, said yeah. well actually it was, t- it was tough because it's so echoey in there like people couldn't hear what you were saying but uh as long I'm, as they're not a security guard that wants to walk away from me i'm happy <laughs> but i just i'm just inspired by how much you do to physically put yourself outside your comfort zone I think that's great. I don't do that enough. Like no, I, don't I go, do I go to enough. like familiar open mics. Yeah. I bark for the same familiar show. Like I've gotten comfortable on this specific stage, and I think I'm it's, it's not really going to help me. <laughs> I'm the I wouldn't fucking, necessarily recommend. No, I'm, I'm the fucking king of that. Like I, I always kind of like, I always kind of like, like. I, I gear myself towards like more consistent experiences, yeah. which is like the antithesis of like pushing your comedic chops. You know, yeah. I get, I get into like a, Oh, I'm going to work with this organization. I've set up this room with a friend of mine for the past year and, uh, yeah. you know, great. I get like 10 minutes, like twice a week. That's not really like worth it in the long run, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a balance of like, you want to be in those like rooms that get you. And like, it's, it's amazing if you can find your crowd like that. I should probably be trying to do that more because at the moment I do try to get out of my comfort zone. And I don't know, sometimes I think I go too far in that direction of like, okay, I'm doing like some weird shows, but but I like it is nice to be able to also find those rooms that like build your audience from like the people that really get you. You know, those are also some of the beautiful moments though too when you're just like this is such a weird experience. This is like a weird group of people. It's a weird mm. group of comedians. Like whatever you know. Like those are some of the most fun like moments when you just yeah. stop for a second and you're like this is crazy and I, this is what makes it so fun to do this kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
Um, well, cool. We should probably wind down. Yeah, okay. we're like we're cool. over time oh, here. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Ripley Greer Studios, uh, where they could kick us out at any moment. Yeah, I can't the believe the sirens have come back. Shock things or whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, we we know what you're up to in the next couple of months, right? And then uh, is that what is <laughs> oh, it, yeah. Mr. Jacob Williams? Oh yeah, Mr. Jacob Williams on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Facebook and my website. And uh, I just saw Harry Potter the play, which I'm not involved in, but go see that on Broadway. It's amazing. Oh yeah, huge Harry Potter fan over so here. Good. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I don't have a lot to promote, so I've just been plugging either the theme park or the play, which I just saw, which <laughs> I'm not involved with either, but go see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child Parts 1 and You've 2. You've been to the it's theme totally park twice, right? I've been to the LA one once and the Orlando one once, and they were both two of the best days of my life, and I've the never, play was also one of the best never days Never read of the book, seen the movies. Uh, I, heard, I heard people like it. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. I, yeah. I thought you would be a big fan of that. I probably would be. Yeah. I was, I'm, a, I'm a Tolkien guy. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Guys, All right, this you, has Jamie. been the Comics Table. I'm Sweet Tea. And I'm I'm Sweet Pea. Thanks for I'm listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great uh, Hanukkah. Yep. Bye-bye. Right. Bye.